All right, people, what's up? Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 332 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, can send Fulvius. I never get that right, sorry. Subro, Allison Van Stone, Mark Gonzalez, Greg Does Stuff, Annie Nakamura, and so many others of the Simply Cyber communities, Alicia Jerry, Tom Bishop, Carrie, are going to be ripping up the top cyber news stories of the day and providing our expert analysis and opinion on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, there's going to be massive value for you here as we cover topics as, whoa, Barricade Cyber Solutions coming in hot. What? Become best friends. Yep. All right. So gifted subs, grab up those gifted subs. Might push us into a new uh, a new area for emotes. Might I might mention that? Thank you so much, very Barricade Cyber Solutions coming in off the top rope. Oh man. All right. Hacker man in the house. All right, guys. Uh, we're gonna be tearing up the top nine cyber news stories, and all of you getting those gifted subs. Pick up those. Uh, Pick up those emotes, get in on it, drop your Oprah emotes up in here, doink, 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 doink. And I will definitely take it for action to look at the emotes and see if we can add a new one to the channel. Uh, you know, before we get into the news, though, I do want to give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with the Barricade Cyber Solutions, the, 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 the golden uh, member here who's just dropping squad memberships all over the place thank you so much eric taylor and the gang over there guys barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and said dedicated hardworking individuals and business owners into turmoil but ba barricade cyber solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents and also how to give out gifted subs Another 50 gifted subs coming out. The squad is strong today, people. Got 100 plus people coming in on the squad. I don't even know why the uh, the ticker isn't capturing here how many people are live in chat. I assume I'm live right now. Like, there's no way we're not live. Can I just get a, a quick confirmation here that we're live? <laughs> uh, please. Because I'm seeing zero uh, according to the... Um, Hold on one second. Let me just check all this really quickly. Stand, stand to stand by. Yes, Jerry, we're live. All right. I, I don't know what's going on here. Give me one second. It's very it's very peculiar. With a hundred with a hundred subs jumping in, uh, I definitely want to make sure that the 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 stream is stable right now. Let's uh, take a look here. Uh, we are showing here. You guys can see. You guys can see the magic behind the curtain. One of the production things I got to deal with here. 120 concurrent viewers. All right, so I, I guess we're rocking and rolling. So let's pop out. Uh, there's a way to pop this out. I forget how to do it. All right, whatever. Looks like we've got 120 people current in, in the stream. I'll, I'll monitor this um, as we go. But thank you very much to Barricade Cyber Solutions, not just for the continued support, but for the squad memberships. Everybody grab up those squads. Take a look. Uh, Mark Gonzalez, uh, look at the top uh, in YouTube chat. You'll see the uh, Barricade Cyber Solution with a little present in the 50. You may have to click on that. Uh, people in chat... Um, People in chat help help the individuals understand how to connect on the um, 
with with the squad memberships. Okay. I also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi. Panopsi Security out of South Carolina, Brandon Pools Company. Um, Panopsi does many, many different things for businesses and organizations. But one of the things that they do very well is quantified risk assessments. Why would you want a quantified risk assessment? Okay, you're a business. You're, you're moving forward with securing your assets. You got a little bit of budget. You're like, yes, what do I do next? You don't know where to best invest your money, your time, your energy in order to have the most cyber risk reduction. If your entire point is to protect the organization, wouldn't you want to maximize your risk reduction while giving account for whatever your constraints are, your budget, your your manpower, your woman power, your hours in the day? Panopsi can do a quantified risk assessment. And basically, uh, the output is an evidence-supported, statistically sound risk assessment that will point out to business leaders, hey, this is our current risk exposure, 17%. If we invest $20,000, we can increase our risk uh, exposure or we can reduce our risk exposure to 8%. Is that worth 20 grand to you? Then it becomes a business decision, not some subjective heat map where the CISO is just saying the sky is falling and the CFO hasn't really felt the burn yet. So they're not subscribing to that methodology, right? So holla, holla, holla. Um, I also want to uh, give a shout out and thanks to XM Cyber, but we'll talk more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, if you're live, you're definitely happy as a clam uh, today because uh, with the squad memberships dropping, this is super cool. Um, if you are um, interested, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat. Maybe use one of your new fancy emotes, your squad emotes, to say what's up in chat. I will use an iHeartness because I do heartnest. Um, all right. If you're live, I love it. I can't really see how many people are live right now. So I'll just depend on all of you to tell me. I can't see how many people are LinkedIn are coming in live. Um, everybody on YouTube chat, let me know if uh, you're seeing people on LinkedIn, or I guess if you're watching this on LinkedIn, holler at me and let me know. I see 161 concurrent viewers on YouTube, at least. Uh, Peter McKinnon's live in chat. My man, love me some Peter McKinnon guys busting his hump um also by the way if you are interested this is a very niche thing but if you're interested in getting hardware switches and routers networking gear for a home lab like a real industrial home lab remind me during the jaw jacking segment at the end of the show and uh, we can bring that up all right guys uh final thing i want to say is team replay drop those comments uh hashtag team replay i love engaging with you guys seeing what your thoughts are on the different stories um, also, oh my God, Eric McKellen. It's going to be one of these days. Eric McKellen with the gifted subs. Thank you so much, Eric. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. 105 gifted subs dropping in chat live today. Tuesday. Who knew Tuesday was going to be this hot, 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 hot. Passive. All right, guys. If you're a passive observer lurking in the background, uh, take a minute, collect that, uh, gifted sub, become a squad member and say, hashtag passive observer. Let us all welcome our passive observer community members into chat guys sit back relax and let's let the um the cool sounds of the top cyber news wash over us in an awesome wave i'll see you guys at the mid-roll it's cybersecurity headlines it's tuesday march 28th 2023 pin duo duo malware confirmed Last week, we covered that Google suspended the app of the e-commerce giant Pinduoduo from the Play Store over alleged malware in the app available on other platforms, not on the Play Store itself. Now, the security firm Lookout confirms that version of the app on third-party markets exploited a known privilege escalation flaw. 
the app used this to download and run code on the device. Researchers said the app could add widgets, track usage of other apps, see notifications, and access location information. The malicious apps were signed by the same private key as the version on the Play Store. Okay, so no surprise here. Okay, no surprise here. We saw this story uh, just the other day. Um, we saw this story just the other day with a uh, huge, huge, massive uh, Chinese app company. Uh, Google ripped out the store, uh, the app from the store. Also, Google sent a notification via Android. Uh, to all users that had the app installed, saying that it was potentially malware and that they should uninstall it immediately. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned like, oh, okay, like, is this part of this conflict between China and, you know, the Five Eyes and all this? Well, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, as, it, as it's not a surprise, Google would not have taken that extreme a step unless they had evidence to support it. You could see that they actually did uh, malware analysis, reverse engineered, the binaries for the APK, APK file and noticed that there is some malicious uh, behavior, some unusual behavior. Um, the word Lucifer is in here. Just because Lucifer is a synonym for the devil does not mean that this is evil. You cannot equate like this could have just as easily said St. Michael. Okay, so it's just a string inside of um, it's just a string inside of a um, uh, software. Okay. So like, don't get wrapped around that axle. Um, it is interesting that it had, uh, malicious payloads. It looks like it was sucking up some data, um, accessing Wi-Fi locations, usage stats of installed apps guys. Um, when Charles Finfrock, um, was on and there is a crypto story coming up. So I'll save the sounder for a second here. When Charles Finfrock was on, he actually pointed out, he's like, look at TikTok and a regular user. You can install TikTok, never open the app, and it harvests gigabytes of data. And, um, you know, that that sounds very similar to what's happening here, right? It uh, it installs widgets automatically. It tracks your usage of other apps. So not good, guys. Not good. I'm glad that Google caught this. It was exploiting a zero-day a, a zero zero vulnerability in the code which is even more malicious, right? So not not only is it a malicious app pretending to do one thing, but actually doing something else, but it's also exploiting uh, software on your device to clearly do more than what it was designed for. Um, this, you know, what's interesting. It's like, this is espionage, wholesale espionage. And the really interesting thing is like, this is still not considered um, unacceptable or an act of war or anything like that. It, it's a, uh, it's crazy, guys. It's it's basically wholesale spyware uh, deployed. Now, I will. The final thing I'll say is it's not just for United States, right? Because um, anybody could install this. Anyone in the world. And Android has the largest footprint. If you didn't know this, um, at least a couple of years ago, Android had like eighty percent of market share of mobile devices in the world. I know personally, I feel like oh, you know, everybody's got an iPhone, but that's like in the U.S. Worldwide iPhones are super expensive. Android devices are less expensive and more accessible. Plus, like burner devices. Where's my burner phone? I, where's my burner phone? I, like burner phones, right? Like you can get a burner Android phone on the cheap, right? You don't have burner iPhones. So the footprint, the, the opportunity there for China to wholesale suck up data is good. Now, I say China... Uh, in all fairness, I should say this company, right? This company could have been operating outside of the awareness and endorsement of the Chinese government. So I will give them that um, 
that, you know, I'm not going to just blame the country, right? Because I don't know one way or the other. I would suspect that China, the country was involved because they get involved with a lot of these companies, but I'm going to be fair and leave it there. Okay. TLDR, you should have told your end users to uninstall those apps anyways. Now you have even more reason to tell them that if you didn't. And sued by CFTC. The U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission filed a lawsuit against the crypto exchange Binance and its CEO, Chengpeng Zhao. The filing claims Binance regularly broke derivatives rules, failing to register with the agency for several years. Other violations include instructing customers to use VPNs to obscure locations and directing users to open accounts under shell company names. Binance's records show that as of August 2020, it earned $63 million from derivatives transaction fees with 16% of customer accounts in the U.S. All right. Well, first of all, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. So Binance, guys, if you know, this isn't really a cybersecurity story, so I'm going to spend very little time on this. Uh, CZ, the guy who runs Binance, um, went with Binance. Binance is basically like, you know, TD Ameritrade or Fidelity, except it's for crypto only. It's an exchange that allows you to, you know, put money in, buy crypto assets, trade crypto assets, all these things. And they get paid because they run the platform on transactions, right? Uh, they also have a ton of um, investment in cryptocurrencies on the platform as well. Okay. When FTX collapsed, CZ, everybody was like looking at Binance and they're like, how are you not any different than FTX? And this guy did like a media tour and he's like, oh no, we're, t we're super cool. We're super legit. No, like we, like he did say that Binance should not be subjected to regulation or uh, independent audit because the big four auditing firms just don't understand crypto. Meanwhile, Coinbase, which is another competitor to Binance, has been audited and, you know, surprised they were able to pull off the audit. Uh, Binance also isn't registered in the United States. I'm not even sure exactly where it's registered. I, I've heard that it moves around. So there's a little bit of uh, some fish stink lines going on over Binance, but you can't put your finger to it and say that's three-day-old fish. It just kind of has like a waff of something funky going on over there. Uh, so now apparently the CFTC is suing them uh, for uh, misleading and doing minimum compliance efforts, encouraging end users to use VPN to hide where they're coming from. We'll see where it goes. It could be a smear campaign for Binance. It's unlikely. Dude, money is money, money, money. It, dude, I'm telling you, I'm not saying that it's the root of all evil, but dude, when you're talking tens of millions of dollars and you know it just takes a little bit right? To make one decision like, oh, okay, I'll just allow this or we'll just do it this way. Or, you know, it's a slippery slope. And then all of a sudden you're up to your neck and like bad decisions and you can't go backwards because you'll expose all of your bad decisions. So, you know, we'll see what happens. This guy is not going to be uh, given like a pass or anything with, with what happened with FTX and all the celebrities that are being brought into lawsuits now and how many people lost money in the crypto winner. Believe me, this guy is going to be scrutinized. Um, quite a bit. Twitter's source code taken down. Last Friday, GitHub complied with a DMCA infringement notice from Twitter that sought to remove proprietary source code and tools that had been published for months. Twitter now seeks a subpoena to search for those responsible for leaking and downloading its code. The DMCA notice says someone with the handle free speech enthusiast is behind the leak. Twitter has indicated that GitHub should provide information about the access history for the leak as a solution for the copyright infringement. The leaker's GitHub account appears active, but no longer contains public repositories. 
Its first contribution dates back to January 3rd. Interesting. So a couple things here. One, Twitter source code leaked. Now they're they're issuing a copyright infringement takedown notice. Okay, makes sense. It was leaked to GitHub. Uh, I find it weird. This was leaked quite some time ago, if you recall. Like, it, Yeah, see, it says it was on GitHub for months. They're only getting around to it now. Um, so I don't know if it's because Elon was taking over and they were in like a lot of um, transition. But here, my Elon's and this is fine. I mean, my Elon's and dumpster fire. But dude, like, I get you got around to it, but still at the same time, like maybe a higher priority. No one's going to start a rival Twitter. Although <laughs> Jack Dorsey's starting something um, and Mastodon's obviously something. But um, Twitter leaked. You could find security vulnerabilities potentially. Um, Twitter has requested GitHub give them audit logs of who's accessed it. I don't know how easy that is. Uh, as far as I know, right, you can do a Git clone and pull down and you don't need to have an account. Like you can just do Git clone. Now there probably is some record keeping of, you know, this IP address pulled down this repo at this time, but that's asking quite a lot of GitHub to store all those logs if they don't have a compliant reason to do it. Um, because if I mean, think about it. It's obviously easy for them to track who downloaded what, but from a Great cash, homie. someone's got to pay for the storage space. Someone's got to like, why are you keeping the logs? Is there any reason to keep those logs? Probably unlikely, which means that if Twitter's saying, show me who downloaded it, Microsoft's who owns GitHub is going to be like, we can't show you that because we don't have those records because it doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but it just seems... It just seems really, you know, getting around to it, Twitter. You know what I mean? I I don't know. Like, it, almost like the lawyers were on, like, a sabbatical for a few months, right? Like, they were at uh, B-Sides Cayman, and they, you know, they had a couple too many mojitos, and they were like, you know what? Uh, we'll get to it when we get to it, okay? So, again, the, there isn't... This is kind of a light news day from a cybersecurity perspective, so I am trying to spice this up as best I can, uh, especially... Especially with 105 gifted subs dropping, but um, you know the only reason that this is a concern for Twitter, I would think it's because oh, like competitors could know what they're doing, but in reality, security researchers and threat actors could look for vulnerabilities in the code and then exploit it. Linus and YouTube's hacking problem. YouTube channel Linus Tech Tips and two other Linus Media Group YouTube channels suffered account takeovers last week with the attacker able to live stream crypto scam videos, change channel names, and delete videos. According to channel owner Linus Sebastian, the attacker sent over a PDF that someone in Linus Media Group's team downloaded because it looked like a sponsorship offer. That PDF included malware that accessed all user data from both their installed browsers, including session tokens, which gave the attackers an exact copy of the browsers they could then export without needing security credentials. This seems to be an increasingly common occurrence. The Verge found similar account takeovers with the same scams in seconds. Sebastian said YouTube needs better security options to change key channel attributes like re-authenticating credentials to change a channel name. Sebastian also called out YouTube to make account recovery more transparent to creators and to be more responsive to smaller channels. And now we're... Yeah, so uh, many of you saw this Linus Tech Tips. Um, TCM did a video on it. Um, John Hammond did a video on it. John Hammond actually got involved with uh, the Linus Media Tech team, talked to the CTO and stuff like that. So 
this is an issue. Um, real, really quick. If you see uh, a channel doing a live stream and it's Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey, it's like a really recognizable video um, that these threat actors keep using. And it's about crypto and they basically try to trick you into doing crypto. Go watch uh, TCM's video on it. Uh, you may want to educate your end users, possibly, depends if, if you're feeling it or not, educate your end users that this video is a scam, right? Because every time you see it, all of the um, threat actors are using the same video. Now, uh, Linus Tech Tips, obviously 15 million subs on YouTube. He probably has a red phone in his office that someone on YouTube is standing on the other side of that he can just pick up and someone on their side picks up. So, um, you know, if, if, uh, if my channel got hacked, for example, I don't know what I would do, <laughs> frankly. Um, but guys, uh, malware laced through a PDF as a sponsorship offer. This is a social engineering attack and it's, you know, quite real. I get sponsorship offers sent to me via email from random companies all the time. You know what I mean? How how are you supposed to know? Now, I will say this. If it's a PDF, right? It's not like PDFs are radioactive nuclear anyways. The PDF had to have some type of code base to run in it. Either it exploited the reader on the device or it um, the user had to click something to, to execute some code or something like that. So it's not just like you open a PDF and you're owned, right? So there was a, probably a little bit more to it. Um, Sadly, dude, the, there's a couple things here. One, and again, this is cybersecurity related in some capacity, but it's very niche to the YouTube content creator community. Is that, you know, I have a couple of people help me with Simply Cyber, and um, the 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 roles that you can offer someone are are not very granular, right? So I can create, I can make someone an editor, which allows them to add videos, delete videos, live stream, right? There's no, there's no like, <laughs> there's no granularity, right? So it's very, very, like they can't delete the channel, but they can delete all the videos on the channel, right? So that's not really great uh, level of granularity. And uh, I can really empathize and, you know, feel for the YouTube content creator community personally, because, you know, I am one of them uh, to, to know uh, because because here's the thing, at the end of the day, as this channel grows, as it scales, this guy's got 15 million subs. He makes like $400,000 a month just in ad revenue, okay? He has an entire team of people that work for him. He can't be expected, Linus, to be the only one with access to the YouTube channel. That would be stupid. It would be such a choke point. You wouldn't be able to do it. So then you have to start coming up with creative control solutions, right? Like, um, change, like, here's the thing. Even if you change passwords every single day, th this hack still would have worked because the current logged in user would be logged in and the session tokens would have been ripped and the threat actor could take advantage of it right then, right? So even that level of ridiculous security isn't going to work. Um, you could have a separate computer, right? Like this is like an extreme. Here's one computer for doing all the YouTube stuff and here's one computer for doing all the business stuff. That is expensive and it's very full of friction, right? Because now you're operating two computers. You go on travel, you got to bring two computers. It's a hot mess on fire. Um, so I don't know how to solve this. I will tell you that YouTube is, it, from my opinion, YouTube is very serious about the competition from Instagram and from TikTok and all these other things, which is why you're seeing the rollout of shorts and the rollout of podcasts right now. Um, 
so YouTube's quite quite interested in making sure that content creators are protected. And when one as large as this gets hit, um, it resonates with the community. So hopefully this is a good, you know, if you've ever worked in cybersecurity, like you've probably heard this phrase, but if you're new here, this is a good one to, to write down. Never let a good incident go to waste, okay? Or never let a bad incident go to waste, however you want to look at it. This is this sucked for Linus. He got it all straightened out, so the impact was minimal. But it's an opportunity for us to do lessons learned and, in, and do process improvement and hopefully uh, increase and strengthen the security of the YouTube uh, content creator uh, platform. Our sponsor, Trend Micro. Cybersecurity is not just about protection. It's about foresight, agility, and resilience. Navigating a new era of cyber risk demands evolved strategies, new frameworks, and integrated tools to equip security teams to anticipate and defend against even the most advanced attacks. Trend Micro, the global leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities around the world in their latest Risk to Resilience World Tour, the largest cybersecurity roadshow of its kind. Find the closest city to you and register today to take a leap towards a more resilient future. Head over to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. All right, it's the mid-roll. Let's do some fun stuff here. All right, guys, if you're new here or if you're a regular, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your day to contribute to this awesome community. All of you are fantastic. Shakira Williams, Raymond Cruz, K. Scott Powell, Eric Taylor for the subs, Eric for the subs. Thank you all so very much. Take advantage of those squad emotes, y'all. Love the love the Simply Cyber logo badging too. Kimberly can fix it with the, the classic blue. Love it, love it. Take a second, hit the like button. You may have actually found Simply Cyber because um, because people in stream had hit the like button and you were like cruising around on YouTube and it's like, hey, here's a cyber show that cyber people like. You like cyber? You might like this. That might be how you found out about Simply Cyber. So take a minute, pay it forward, and hit that like button. I want to thank all the sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and also XM Cyber. I mentioned that there would be like a little reference back at the mid-roll. XM Cyber, guys, um, let's, let's talk about them for a second, right? Misconfigurations, they're all about exposure management. You can have misconfigured software because of Carl. You can have security vulnerabilities because, you know, patches come out every month. You could have mismanaged creds because, you, you know, they're all over the place. You're sharing them. Way too much permission. Other exposures, especially in a hybrid network where you have cloud and on-prem, which is very, very common today. Look at your O365 and G Suite situations. You can't see all these problems, especially if you're looking at them in a siloed fashion. XM Cyber, this is where they come in. They actually have introduced and developed a way to address hybrid cloud exposures. So instead of looking at you know, your issues in silos, they can combine all of those uh, areas, uh, disparate, fundamentally distinct errors into an attack graph to allow you to proactively uncover hidden attack paths and gaps in your security control approach across your cloud all the way into your on-prem network and allow you, this is the most important thing, to pinpoint and prioritize where the choke points are in your issues, which will ultimately allow you to do your most cyber risk reduction, um, you know, the most expedient way. So instead of patching all the things, which is not possible, you can focus on where the key junctures are and harden those, patch those, make sure that those are tightened up and really, really 
reduce your attack surface, which is really the key of what they're trying to help you achieve. Visit xmcyber.com. Click the link in the description below to get a demo. It's all about good times over there. Thanks so much. I want to say holla, holla, holla to the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I do not have the Excel sheet up because I'm a, I, I was coming in hot from, te from teaching. But if you're in the Simply Cyber Community, um, let, me, let me pull up the spreadsheet right now. Jenny Housley has been helping me out over here. This is part of the reason why, <laughs> why I need help. Um, let's see. There it is. Let's take a look at who we had. I didn't get a chance to jump on there. Justin Rower was our, um, oh, I love it, Dash. Found us through Spotify. Justin Rower was our uh, Simply Cyber Community Manager, uh, Community Challenge Holder yesterday. Justin, I hope you're in chat. Can you go ahead and pick someone else to tag them? Atron on Team Replay. Guys, I think, I think we might have to put a pin on Team Replay's Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's, it's not really working the way I wanted it to. In fact, I'm just looking here. There's no, there's no comments on Team Replay Simply Cyber Community Challenge since December 20 of uh, March 23rd. So let's let's put a pin in this. Uh, but let's stick with Team Live. Um, I, I love it, Team Replay. So Justin Rohrer, please tag someone in chat. Holla, 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 and uh, we'll get into that. Guys, it is Tuesday, which is Tidbits Tuesday, so I always share a little personal thing with you guys um, about about me. You know, whatever, just a little look behind the curtain. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, so I went to UMass Amherst for my undergrad. Really interesting thing. I wasn't going to go there. I actually signed up and was going to go to Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston. Uh, and then, like, at the last minute... I applied to UMass Amherst because my, my buddy at school was going to UMass. And he's like, hey, we could room together. I was a complete idiot, by the way. Like when I was in high school, I thought I had it all figured out. Total dummy. Um, got into Wentworth. I was like, oh, I'm good. I don't need to apply to other schools. Uh, last minute, applied to UMass Amherst. Uh, slid in just under the radar, and the rest is history. Looking back retrospectively, I couldn't even afford to go to Wentworth. I don't know what the hell I was – what the – I was thinking, but so that's, so that's interesting. You might think you have it all planned out, but in reality, sometimes it's just um, grabbing the seat of your pants and holding on for dear life. Let's get back into the news. French government joins the app banning train. The government of France announced a new policy that bans all recreational apps from government-issued phones. The country's Minister of Transportation and Public Service, Sebastian Gorini, said no apps in the category showed robust enough security for government devices. So, yes, this does include TikTok. The policy does provide exceptions for apps needed for official communications. The policy provides no clear timeline for actually removing the apps. This comes after several other nations have banned TikTok on government devices in recent weeks. All right. In Way to go, France. France, like, like so uh, UK bans TikTok, like, earlier this week, and France is like, hold my beer. <laughs> it bans all recreational apps, um, including... TikTok from government devices. Guys, I'm totally fine with this. I get I get that we we live in like a um you know, a mixed use world where like everybody like everybody in chat right here, Justin Gold, Peter Lee, Evan Ottinger, you all work somewhere and you likely check your personal email on those devices. It's like almost acceptable use at this point. We don't live in this ridiculously rigid society where it's like from hours of nine to five, you will absolutely not do anything personal. No, like we take personal calls, we leave to go to appointments, we get our work done though, right? Well, 
on government devices, this, this mixed use introduces a tax service. And when you install something like this app from the, uh, the Play Store, the Chinese app that um, was found to have malware, or when you install, install Plex server on your work laptop and it leads to the LastPass major data breach, that's the problem. So one way to control this issue is by saying, listen, here's a government device. It's a work device. You're not allowed to install it. It's it, For all intents and purposes, it might as well be a desk phone at your desk. Okay? So don't use it for your own personal uses. Um, or, or you can use it, but you have to do it within this constraints. I spent all day lecturing at the Citadel today on policy of all things, which I tried my best to make as, as fun and as possible but guys policy is policy this is a wide-reaching overarching policy that is designed exclusively to protect the government okay i have no problem with this um i do like hat hat tip to uh france for um telling the rest of the world to hold my beer as they um implement their own government uh device controls the only thing i will say about this is um twofold one the government better be issuing devices then to their end users because mo most governments do but like a lot of businesses smaller businesses right um which i've worked at small businesses they'll be like hey um we'll either like um we'll, we'll give you like a stipend for your cell phone use so you get like 50 bucks a month to go towards your cell phone but everybody just takes the money and puts it in the bank and doesn't even think twice about it or like hey like you have to use your phone and we, you know we need you to install the microsoft authenticator app or some type of multi-factor authentication app and we're going to send you emails you can install outlook on your phone and get your work email but it's your phone businesses love this because they don't have to foot the cost of the it infrastructure to maintain the devices the system life cycle three years you drop your phone in the toilet and they got to replace it no 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 none of that that's all on you so the cfo is like yeah boy CFOs love and life, but at the same time, they when you do that, yes, you're saving money, but you're also giving up the the ability to control what is on those devices and how those devices are used. So when you're going to ban all rec apps, you've got to issue the phones from the the organization itself. That's all I'll say on that. But you know, look for this. Video comes down on crypto. Over the past several years, the chipmaker NVIDIA has shown a mercurial relationship with cryptocurrency. On the one hand, demand for GPUs to mine cryptocurrency fueled its revenue. On the other hand, it taxed GPU supply for other uses, like gamers, resulting in the company producing cards designed for inefficient mining. However, CTO Michael Kagan made their position a little more clear in an interview with The Guardian, saying crypto doesn't bring anything useful for society. AI does. This, of course, comes as, in recent quarters, NVIDIA's data center and AI-focused business unit generated more revenue than its gaming GPU division. Okay. Wow. Okay, so two things. One, uh, NVIDIA is well known for making the, um, the graphics uh, GPU cards, right? It's basically to offload processing of intensive graphics, 4K, 8K, 64K, ah, like so many K, right? So... But during the big crypto boom, um, you know, you can use those to mine quite well. So then there, there happened to be this like run on the market for graphics cards. And then people who enjoyed playing video games couldn't get the graphics cards. So then, 
you know, there was like a secondary market for it. It was ridiculous, um, which probably had a downstream impact to video game developers because they're making these games that require this tech stack and players can't get it. So as a player, I'm not going to buy your, you know, Skyrim, you know, ultimate magnificent, super deluxe, ridiculous over, over, over the moon edition uh, to play on my machine because I can't physically play it with the graphics card I have. So obviously this is kind of, uh, NVIDIA's probably got partners like Activision Blizzard and and, and such who, who are like, dude, you really got to focus on this. Now, they were making money hand over fist. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. They were making money hand over fist as a business. So your business is to sell graphics cards and you can't keep them on the shelf because crypto miners are going bananas on them. You know, the balance sheet looks pretty good, right? Stock Stock prices are going up. Shareholders are like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I love this. Keep that product pumping. Um, but obviously I find it funny that, you know, NVIDIA came out and said they don't bring anything useful to society, whereas they're still providing, um, massive amounts of product to them. I'm trying to think if there's like a, a comp. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It'd be like, um, this isn't exactly one-to-one, -one, but like Philip Morris, if, <laughs> So for those of you who are young, back in the day, people used to smoke cigarettes everywhere. I know it's like rare to see someone smoking uh, butts nowadays, but like back in the day, you used to smoke everywhere, right? And it'd be like Philip Morris saying like, oh, no, no, cigarettes don't really do any good for anybody, but, you know, we'll keep selling them. It's not exactly one-to-one -one because the graphics cards do have a uh, desirable use case beyond crypto um, in gaming and AI research, but it's kind of like that. I'm I'm sure anyone that is uh, into crypto mining isn't going to be like, oh well, to heck with Nvidia. They don't they don't dig on crypto because Nvidia's got the market uh, on that. One thing Nvidia did do that I thought was kind of kind of wild was you could see that uh, in 2021. I remember this story. They actually introduced a constraint on the graphics card that made it bad for mining Ethereum to kind of discourage people from it. And I'm pretty sure someone released a crack to get around that constraint, but it just goes to show you um, what NVIDIA was thinking. The final thing I'll say, just from like a, my mind is blown. Dude, the first version of Chappie T was trained on 10,000 NVIDIA graphics cards. Holy jeez. Think about what that must've looked like. That's insane. That's like so many graphics cards. Damn. Hmm. All right. Well then, I'm sure Nvidia's product is not being as run down as much simply because the crypto winter and all that. White House puts new limits on commercial spyware. President Biden signed an executive order placing limits on the use of commercial spyware by federal agencies. This banned spyware already misused by foreign actors or that could pose a security risk to the U.S. The order sets out guidelines for determining misuse and security risks, like using the spyware against activists or to limit freedom of expression. The order does not establish a ban list of entities, rather it will determine a spyware ban on a case-by-case -case basis, with no requirement for public disclosure. The security trade-offs of- What? Um, I'm just kind of looking at this. So, I mean, I appreciate this from a government oversight. Uh, specifically, White House had identified 50 instances where U.S. personnel in 10 different countries had been targeted. Um,
So this makes me think of uh, Pegasus spyware. Um, I'm kind of confused with this, really. Um, the administration officials stress the order is partly us getting ahead of challenge posed by spyware as there have been no concrete, consistent standards across the U.S. government. We will lead by example. So the Pegasus spyware, uh, very, very uh, successful, uh, done by NSO Group, and it was being abused, no surprise, by people in power uh, of dissidents, uh, investigative journalists, and competitors uh, challenging them for power. The U.S. wasn't doing that. Now, the Biden administration has come out and said that they're going to limit the use of spyware uh, in federal government, uh, basically to control it and make sure that it's not being abused. Here's my thing, okay? First of all, first of all, why, why does this... Hold on, I want to get more in frame here. First of all, why does this need to be made... Like, why does he have to sign an order in place? Isn't there already, like, tons of, like, like you're not allowed to, like, wiretap U.S. citizens for no reason. You're not allowed, like, the Fourth Amendment, you're not allowed to search and seizure. Like, I thought that there was really well-defined law already on the books about not spying on citizens. Um, so unless they're talking about spying on non-U.S. citizens using spyware, then okay. Um, but I mean, that's what espionage is, right? I mean, that's what first world power countries do. I'm honestly, I'm a little, I guess I'm a little confused, frankly, on what this is, what is the underpinning of this? What is this targeting? What are we, what are we doing here? Because there's already legislation. Um, we, like we, like, despite us wanting to be like the, the, the gold standard for the world, we commit espionage just the same as other countries commit espionage. Uh, and we use technology and services in order to achieve those objectives. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I can't really comment on the story because it confuses me a little bit. Um, but I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly related to the abuse of uh, Pegasus spyware. I just don't understand this. I, um, I guess I'd be curious, you know, in chat or in comments, let me know what your thoughts are on this particular story. I'm, I'm kind of stymied on an independent thought on, I, I'm confused, frankly, on it. Splitting TikTok. In an editorial on TechDirt, former head of trust and safety Thanks, at Twitter, Shakira. Yoel Roth, outlined the potential cybersecurity repercussions if the U.S. allows TikTok to operate under its Project Texas plan. This would effectively separate U.S. TikTok users, ostensibly making their data inaccessible to its parent company, ByteDance. Roth points out this will limit the ability for a U.S.-based TikTok to find and shut down influence operations on its network, as it would only be able to work from a limited set of user signals to analyze. Roth distills the problem down to establishing geographic limits around a problem that does not respect geography. Right now, TikTok operates with 1.5 billion global users, but a U.S.-only TikTok would only have about 10% of that. Be sure to... Yeah, but I mean, okay... So I think a U.S.-based TikTok isn't going to, again, this isn't really cybersecurity. This has to do more with the macro level about, um, whoops, about um, it, whether or not TikTok is, you know, stealing uh, information, uh, uh, siphoning the data off for long-term espionage purposes, uh, making AI bots of, of, citizen, of U.S. citizens and stuff like that. Doing it just as a U.S.-based thing. Let's think about this for a second. All right, let me get my little tinfoil hat here. Uh, by the way, let me do this. Do, do, do. Tinfoil hat. Okay, let's play it forward. 
Um, you are TikTok, right? And you are commit. Like, let's just play pretend that they are. You know, the whole the whole thing is really just to manipulate U.S. citizens, potentially push disinformation. I saw articles about you know if a user is like you know 13 years old and female that the algorithm is pushing like suicide and incel type content to them allegedly i just read an article i didn't fact check it okay so that type of control uh is interesting and if you separate it from us based to the rest of the world based you still have the ability to control that so there's no negative impact to the underlying objectives of the organization tiktok right uh, you're still able to siphon all that data. And if you think about the user experience, guys, I don't know about you, but like when I go on, when I go on social media or whatever, I've got the people that I talk to. And yes, there are some um, UK people I follow, some Australian people I follow and stuff like that. Chris Rock, famously Chris Rock. Um, the guy's so funny. Uh, but most of the content is US based, right? Or, you know, North America, right? So I, I don't think from an end user experience, you're going to be like, oh my God, this platform's just changed. It's totally not the same anymore. So you're not going to lose customer base. You're not going to lose the underpinning objectives of your mission. So from a, a business perspective, TikTok's like, fine, like we'll, we'll stand it up. And as it points out in the, in the story, Oracle is going to make lots of money like somebody at oracle some salesman at oracle is definitely getting a massive payday some vice president at oracle is definitely getting a new yacht uh on this deal because if you think about it all of tiktok's data is going to be stored in oracle databases in the united states probably in texas that's probably why they called it project texas so whoops wrong one where is it straight cash, homie. yeah man it's all about straight cash homie i almost wonder how much money will Oracle make on the Project Texas deal? Any guesses? Any guesses in chat? I'm guessing. Um, let's see. One and a half billion dollars. I mean, that's that's not exclusively the Oracle part. Um. But you have to imagine that one and a half billion dollars is probably a good piece of it is going to Oracle. So, like I said, someone's getting a new boat. Refresh your podcast app of choice to catch the latest episode of the CISO series podcast. All right. So that's going to do it. If you were here just for the news, I know it was kind of a slow news day. So uh, genuine apologies for that. Let's do some music. I want to thank all of you for being here. Look at the time, 1048. Apologies to Base Case and the entire NCC group for going three minutes over. We do strive for a 45-minute show. Now it's time for some jawjacking. If you're here just for the news, we'll see you next time tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Until next time, stay secure. If you'd like to hang out and flex a little bit with your new squad emotes, jawjack with the community, uh, I would love to. Jawjacking is basically a after-hours post-stream session where we hang out and chit-chat for a few minutes. While you guys talk amongst yourselves, I'm going to check my schedule and make sure that I don't overrun into a 9 a.m. meeting because I'm notorious for doing or an 11 a.m. meeting. No. My next meeting is at noon. As a fun fact, my meeting at noon is with Alyssa Knight to talk about the late night show, Late Night with Jerry. Going to get some dates on the schedule on the calendar. 
Carrie says, I am using VMware and I have tried to fix the display, but when I launch the VM, I can't see anything. Okay. Uh, that's interesting, Carrie. Like, I guess from your question, is it like VMware that's not launching correctly? Or is it one of the VMs inside VMware? That's the one question I would look at. And then I would Google VMware launch black screen and see what it says. Uh, all right. Hey, somebody just said something really nice. Mark Gonzalez, I'm glad that you like to start your days with us. Thank you. What about the network hardware labs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So SSD asks, is Peter McKinnon still in chat? Where are we? Peter McKinnon. Peter McKinnon in chat. Hi, Peter. Okay, so Peter McKinnon can give more information on this. Peter McKinnon, a uh, longtime Simply Cyber community member, the guy is inspirational if you're looking to pivot into the industry. Guy's busting his hump and he's going to crush it um, when he's ready to enter the job market. He contacted me with, um, he's got like a bunch of networking gear, like physical networking gear. Uh, and he said, Jerry, I've learned all I can learn from this technology. I want to pay it forward. I would love to give this tech to somebody else who is interested in wanting a home lab and learning. So not just like you're a hoarder and you want to collect this, you know, this tech, right? It's, you're going to do something with it, right? Um, I can get, uh, let me see if I can get a visual on it. Give me a second. I do love me some Peter McKinnon. Peter disappeared from the community for a while. And I like hunted him down. Okay, here, you can see it on chat. This is the, his tech stack. We see a Catalyst 2000. Catalyst 3560, 3750, 3750, 2950. And then the um, the racks at the bottom, don't worry about those. I think if I had to guess, um, it's really the Cisco gear on the top of that graphic that um, you'd want. So uh, DM me in chat or whatever. I, I almost think, I mean, maybe he could ship it anywhere in the world. You'd have to pay shipping costs. Obviously, this is very heavy equipment, so it's not going to be free 99 in order to ship it. Um, but I just want to share that with you as something. Uh, hit me up on um, Regine Franklin. Go to the Simply Cyber Discord server, exclamation point Discord in chat. And I will introduce you to Peter McKinnon, who's also on Discord. And we can, uh, you guys can have a conversation the idea here is that this technology is going to help somebody um, further their their professional development. Okay, so hit me up in 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 Discord or go on the Simply Cyber Discord channel. Check mod chat. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. I'm reading mod chat right now. Oh, okay. All right, so hey, really quickly, uh, Base Case, who helps mod the channel and is just a wonderful individual, has said, what about a gear swap channel by region? He also has gear to give. You know what, guys? Let's do this. Um, Peter McKinnon, Base Case, you guys are launching this. We are going to create a channel on the Simply Cyber Discord server for doing this, okay? So exclamation point Discord in chat. Regine, you don't even have to DM me. Um, carry, um, base or, um, Joel or base probably, um, can you create the channel and then, um, just tell me where it is and I'll share that. Uh, maybe even under love fusion center. I feel like it, 
it either falls under cyber work or love fusion. Um, all right, so stay tuned, uh, Regine. Uh, get on the Discord server and engage and ask, but otherwise, just come back tomorrow and we'll have more information on how to do the swaps and stuff like that. That's right, Frankie. This is how community works. What's Sean Washington doing? What's Sean Washington doing? Hold on. What's Sean Washington doing? Hmm. All right. I don't know where it is. Um, oh, here's another fact. Okay. So, see, this is why Jawjack is so sick because these things just come up and I, I don't even like think about it. Okay. So, this Thursday on Simply Cyber Live, I was going to have InfoSec Pat. Okay. This guy. If you know him, you know him. And if you don't, it's worth checking out. Okay. InfoSec Pat. He's like a penetration tester, red team, InfoSec, YouTube content creator. I'm going to drop a link in chat. Okay. Go check him out. He was going to be my guest on Simply Cyber this Thursday, but he's a practitioner and he got last minute client work and he has to travel and he can't be there, which means you're like, well, what does this mean to me, Jerry? What that means is that this Thursday, I do not have a Simply Cyber live stream scheduled, but I was thinking, you know what? How about a Simply Cyber Con uh, update meeting, right? Like, let's, let's talk about what we've done, like where we're going. Um, very transparent. Uh, some of some of the organizers, like myself, Base, Joel, Aaron, Kimberly, Allison, we've been doing some stuff on the side. Uh, but I think it would be beneficial for the community um, and for ourselves, frankly, to stay on schedule to have a live stream and talk about what we've done, what we're doing, get some input from uh, the community, and uh, keep moving forward. Oh, Sean's got a phone interview scheduled. Awesome, Sean. Go crush it. Crush it, crush it, crush it. Actually, Sean. Yes, Sean. Wrecking ball that interview, my man. Peter Lee. Live stream with noobs? No. It won't be like that. But stay tuned. I think I think it makes sense this Thursday. We're due for a status update meeting. We've got nonprofit. We got sponsors. We have marketing. Uh, we're getting the website stood up. Um, there's been some dispute around what the theme is going to be. Um, again, I am for the people. Um, I'm not some, you know, slam my fist on the table dictator saying how it's going to be. I'm very much into uh, community driven. You know, obviously I'll help shepherd and, and drive it, but cyber lab. Oh, cool. Harish setting up a lab. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, so Casey said the channels are there. All right, perfect. All right, guys, look at this. Base, you gotta, you gotta put some. I'll do it afterwards. You gotta put some emote in the front, dude. You know I'm loving my emotes. Uh, here, let's do this. I'm gonna show you guys really quickly in on stream here. Do 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 do. All right, hold on. Oh, actually, you know what? What am I doing? Let's get some Jonathan Bell up in here. Okay, so look at this right here. I'm going to show you guys where on the chat. And Peter McKinnon, hopefully you can uh, giddy up on that. Whoops. And Regine, you can. Okay, so check it out. All right, so this is what the Discord server looks like. Okay, you guys see right here on the Love Fusion Center, which is one of the categories on the channel, there is now GearSwap North America, GearSwap Euro, GearSwap Rest of the World. This is where you can go to 
share or find gear and set up those kind of transactions. Thank you very much, Casey, for that. Oh, thank you, Casey. Making sure that I feel like I'm still contributing. Because uh, I'm, uh, I'm Michael Scott up here, just kind of like bumbling, <laughs> bumbling about. Uh, I know this is a USA stream, but recommendations for companies in Canada. Um, I mean, look for the, uh, it depends what you want to do, but look for um, professional services company, right? There's like probably a Deloitte Canada. There's probably a Booz Allen Canada. Look for those. Um, okay. SSD, you're welcome. No problem. Guys, there's still gifted subs up there. Go grab them. I see non-squad members like Dash, SSD. No problem, Dash. This is what the community is. We're all about support, inclusion, hooking people up. Shakira Williams, make a LinkedIn post and tell a bit about your journey. Yes, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thank you, Jenny Housley. All right, Justin Rover, enjoy class. Yes, I am the assistant to the regional manager. Got a one and a half interview today as well. Joshua Wright. Let's go, Joshua. Everybody take a minute. Let Joshua know how he's going to crush it. All right. Maybe you have to click on a dash, like click on the um, the graphic. See how like I click on it and it says buy gifted memberships. I don't know if that is, is you know, what you have to do, but. Oh, thank you, Dan Resky. Dan Resky thinks maybe it just stays up there. So stay tuned. I'll have an update for you guys. Oh, hey, here's like a fun update. I only have one cup of coffee today. Um, tomorrow, I will be trying another one of those um, coffees that, that the coffee roaster sent me uh, to want to collaborate with me. I think tomorrow will be espresso. So tomorrow could be a spicy, um, <laughs> tomorrow could be a spicy uh, news day, uh, possibly. Also want to say shout out and love to ACI Learning. Um, they've they sponsor the Worldwide Wednesday Around the World um, segment of the Daily Stream on Wednesday, and they've renewed uh, for three months. So appreciate the continued support. My Shed, the Outpost, the, the Cyber Dungeon, whatever you guys want to call it, the Hive, the Command Center. Um, that was supposed to be delivered tomorrow, um, and I had to reschedule it because it's been raining here in the Low Country. And guys, when they bring this shed, it's going to... I understand it's going to destroy my lawn. Like, I fully have accepted my lawn's going to be destroyed. But uh, if it's too soft, I'm actually afraid that the um, it's going to get stuck. And then I'm going to have a, a big problem. So I pushed it a week, which, like, also changes everything. I have, like, I have to, like, tear my fence down and rebuild that. So, like, that changed all that. My neighbor's putting his dog in a kennel. It's a whole thing. So... Yeah, tomorrow will be a 45-minute show in 15 minutes. It'll be the fastest the fastest 45 minutes of the day. Oh, coffee mead. Nice casually, Joseph. I like it. Coffee mead. That sounds like uh like basically like <laughs> homebrew for loco, right? It's like you get you get wasted and you're just like full of energy so you can't slow down. Thank you, base case. Yes, I am that neighbor. Hey, I'm just gonna need to tear your fence down for a day. It won't be a big deal. For what it's worth, I'm I'm rebuilding my neighbor's fence as well. At least the part I'm ripping down. So this music's good. I like Jonathan Bell. This is good. 
All right, guys, where are we at on time? A couple minutes over 11. Seems like a good time to segue out. Guys, I want to thank all of you for being here. Genuinely appreciate what you do. Guys, go forward, have fun, crush it today. Stay tuned tomorrow. You should be getting the threat intel from uh, Codename Purple. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. All the best. Be good. Crush all your interviews. And we'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Until next time, stay secure. <laughs>